What's up, nerds? Good morning from my time. Thank you for tuning again once once more to the Nerds Who Live podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Anderson, and today we have a guest who's going to be on the line, Ranson Lee. Ranson is number 11 at the 198-pound weight class in wraps, and personally is one of my favorite lifters, and has had one of my favorite squats that I have tried to watch and learn from and has overall just been a very impressive lifter since I started lifting and following him and have really tried to kind of watch and take little tidbits from him. So I'm really excited to have him on today to pick his brain, find out how he came up, how he got into lifting, and as well as you know his athletic background, what he sees with the sport, where it's going, and uh, you know, there's anything else that may come up. So very excited to have him on. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Viking Performance Chalk. You guys are the best. If you guys haven't checked them out, it's V-I-K-N, Performance Chalk. And they have the best for their best sticky stuff for lifting shit. And of course, Calvary Illustrations. Thank you as always. So, all right. Let's get Ranson on the line. Let's get the show on the road. All right. So, again, uh, thanks, Ranson, for being on. Uh, I already kind of did a little intro uh, for you before uh, we started recording, but uh, number 11 right now, 198-pound weight class with wraps. Um, and what was the your current total that you got your last meet? Uh, so my last two meets I've done, I competed at 220, kind of done with the 198 class now. Okay, uh, nice. But last meet, uh, a little over a month ago, totaled 2,000.68. Yeah, you just broke that 2K mark. Yeah, so stoked for that. Yeah, I know you've been working for that for a while. So I I seriously started, um, you know, powerlifting about a year and a half ago. I've been lifting for a while, but, you know, I started taking the the sport seriously about that time. Uh, and that's when I actually also started uh, following you and Jordan and uh, you specifically because you have one of my favorite squats uh, that I try to, to watch. And um, specifically, if no one has seen it, you're, I think it was maybe three meets ago, there's, you have, uh, you're going for your third and you pass out on your way up. <laughs> yeah, that was in Wilmington. Yeah. I came all the way up with it and like, they called me for soft, soft lockout on that. Yeah, but, but in the video, it looks like you pass out at the bottom, it looks like you pass out at the bottom, but your body finishes it and then, you know, they tell you to rack and... You just kind of like come to like, oh, what happened? <laughs> no shit with that one. Literally, like, I sat there for a second in the rack. And I had no clue where I was. Like, yeah. I, I, I did pretty much black. I had no clue where I was. It took like a few seconds. And then I walked out and I asked my coach, I was like, hey, Chris, did I squat that? Like, he goes, yeah. Yeah, but they red lighted you for like a, like a lockout. You started going out on it. I was like, oh. <laughs> Good to know that I finished it. I don't remember. Like that's what. Yeah, it is what it looks like. It looks like you just you know you blacked out, but your body finished the squat, which is it was like what seven sixty something. So it was, was seven sixty, I believe, right, yeah, right there. Like right there, and uh, I just was like, man, how 
Like, how badass is that? That even though you blacked out, your body still finished your squat. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, but, but technically speaking, so, like, I'm, I'm a very, like, long-limbed lifter. And so I have, especially with the squat, I have to squat forever. And I have to, I've had to really work on trying to load my squat, like really load into my legs. And I think that's uh, something that, at least when I watch you know, all your squats, you do very well. Um, and specifically at that meet, that meet in Wilmington, your first two attempts, I thought were textbook. Just kind of the way that you're able to kind of load. You almost look like you're a geared lifter, the way you kind of really pull yourself down and then get that rebound and then drive your traps back into the bar. And yes. so, yeah, technically speaking, it's it's something I've, I've literally probably watched those three attempts multiple times and try to, like, get little little cues from doing that. So when you want to – yeah, so when you want to come on, that's why I was like, I'm going to ask him about his squat at some point. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, pick your brain. But, uh, before, sure. yeah, before we get into that, you know, by all means, I'd love to hear kind of like a little – your little origin story, maybe how – uh, just you got into athletics. I remember, you know, seeing that you had, you know, you were a wrestler in high school and stuff. But it's kind of what brought you to to here. Uh, yeah. So I've been like kind of pretty athletic and stuff my whole life. You know, was growing up elementary school played basketball for like eight years, some shit like that. Middle school got into track and field. Uh, was a sprinter and did a couple of different field events. High school found wrestling, and that was absolutely fucking awesome uh you know wrestled all throughout high school and then two years of uh college wrestling and uh sophomore year just kind of had some some issues with the coach i had disagreements with that pretty much after the season was over it's like i'm just i'm just gonna stop with this and uh started listening to fill my time uh moved back to uh charlotte after that that year of school and uh from then was just just kept lifting got a job at a gym and the trainer was like hey you know have you ever thought about competing in bodybuilding and I was like no and I thought you probably should think about it so probably like I don't know that August of 2011 did my very first bodybuilding competition and then did bodybuilding for six years and then April of 2017 was my first powerlifting meet nice what I mean, other than probably the more flexible dieting, what pulled you from the bodybuilding stage to the platform? So 2016 Miami Nationals was my last bodybuilding competition. And I looked on track to probably win the whole thing, like the the day before, even at weigh-ins. Matt Porter, um, who he unfortunately recently passed away probably about two weeks ago, uh, was a huge like coach and stuff in the bodybuilding world, and he contacted me after the competition. He was like, "Hey, I want to know what happened between your like when you weighed in and on stage." Because like he's like, "I had you top five easily," but just just stuff messed up with like holding water and everything. And bodybuilding is so subjective that even if you look good, you can have a tan that's not dark enough and you don't place. Like, that's actually the thing I got critiqued from the judges at that one. It was like, your, your tan wasn't dark enough. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So I was like, I was super determined after that just to like put on a lot more size, get bigger, and just come back and 
destroy destroy it on bodybuilding again. But so I started lifting heavier and just eating more and trying to build for off season. And just probably like February of 2017, I like saw a flyer in our gym for uh, powerlifting meet. And I was like, this could be something good for my off season training and make me get stronger. So I was like, I'll try it. Why not? So started reading into Jim Whitler's 531 program and started doing that on my own. And that's what got me to my first meet. I did way better than I expected there. Like, well, I was going to this meet like, oh, if I hit a 1500 total, I'll be stoked. I think a total 17, like 72 or something around there. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, like, yeah, every, every, see, actually every bench except my opener was a PR um, there. Nice. Actually, my PR, my opener may have even been a PR. But, like, <laughs> everything. Nine for like, nine PRs. <laughs> yeah. So, I, 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 like, I went eight for nine there. I think I missed my uh, third squat which was six, I think I had 650 on the bar for that one. It was just buried with it. Um, and it was like, at that meet, people were coming out and like, hey, you know, how long you doing this and stuff? And that was my first one. Like, you're doing really good for your first one. Dude, you're really doing a good job, bro. Like, later. Yeah. Um, like that October when I did my second one, and people were like, you're, you could you could end up being like one of the top guys. And, and then by April of last year, um, I was actually looking, going into my like third uh, powerless to meet. I was just looking up like stats of rankings and stuff, and I saw where I was ranked at, and I was like, "Oh shit, I could actually end up doing really well with this." Yeah. So. And and you don't have to get a tan, which is nice. Yeah, I don't have to strict diet. I don't have to do multiple cardio sessions a day. I can go out with people whenever I want to. It's, it's it's such a better lifestyle. And just, like, being around people at powerlifting meets, like, the people at powerlifting meets are so much better. Yeah. You know, in the bodybuilding world, people are so selfish and conceited assholes. And, I mean, of course there's going to be that powerlifting, too. I'm not saying there's not, because there is. But all, for 90% of people I've met through powerlifting – are the nicest, helpful, most helpful people I've ever met, and some of my best friends I have now come from meeting the powerlifting beats. Oh yeah, I that's what's kept me in the sport. Really was you know I liked you know the sport on the outside, but then once I went to a meet and I you know met the people, I you know that's what kept me around. And then even like yeah. my my first meet, um, like the guy who like the the heaviest totaling like lifter at that meet. It was a smaller local meet. Who you know also was it his like late thirties? He'd been doing it for well over ten years, and yeah. I told him that it was my first meet, and you know, and because I was mostly by myself, and he kept like helping me with warm ups or asking me if I knew where my flight was. Like, like he he was he did not have to do that. Like he went yeah. out of his way as the like most senior person at that meet, and he would load my bench for me and like or just like help unrack or just. Or just would ask, you know, just ask me how I was doing constantly, even though he yeah. like was, he's like, he, he had, you know, his, you know, again, he was like 37, 38. He had like 650, like getting ready to squat in ramps and like, he was busy, but he would be like, like, you know, all fucked. And he'd be like, so how's it going? And like, all right. Thanks, man. You know, that's, you know, he didn't have to do that, but that's like, I think a very, like an epitome example of the sport and the people in the sport. Oh man, for sure. I almost like 
kind of weird. I always enjoy going to like my friends' meets and like clients' meets more than my own, just because I love the being able to help someone else. And like, I get more. I, I no joke. I get more excited to see my friends like hit big numbers and PRs than I do like hitting them myself half the time. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's so much fun. Involved. I, it's so much fun. I, I go to all the local meets that I can. Um, yeah. And if they don't need spotters and loaders, you know, I'll ask if they need a spotter, lip bar and loaders. I'll just go and I'll just walk around the warm up room and ask if anyone needs help or um, if they need their knees wrapped. You know, because. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Yeah. I help out with knee wrapping a lot. I do, I do too. I, I become like the token because we don't, at least where my area, there's not a whole lot of classic raw guys. Yeah. And and I actually really like wrapping knees. As hard as it is, it's kind of like an art. And then I, and I feel like I contributed to that lift. You know, when you give them a really solid wrap, where they just get that rebound. Yeah. Like you're like, man, I, I helped. You know, I helped with that lift more than just like, you know, a trap slap. And oh, uh, yeah. so there's some guys I've, I've wrapped that they're like, I don't think I could have done that without your wrap. Yeah. And, and maybe that's true or not, and it's completely psychosomatic, but I still take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny. There's, uh, I was at a meet of one of my clients. He was lifting his sleeves and stuff. There's this one guy there, bigger dude, who was lifting in a lily bitch wraps. And I was watching the guy who was rapping on his first two lifts. I was like, because his second lift looked like dog shit. He barely came up with it. Yeah. I know this guy's strong. And I was like, it looks like you get a lot more out of that wrap. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I just wrap you on your third attempt? And he was like, no, I mean, sure, go for it. And uh, I wrapped him, and, like, I was maybe halfway through his first knee. He's like, this is too tight. I'm like, no, it's not too tight. No, no. He's like, I was was like, trust me, this is a big dude. Like, his calves were probably, like, 20 inches. Like, he's a big motherfucker. And I I think I got three more revolutions out of the wrap than what he was used to. Oh, you crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and he, like, came up so fast with his, like, third squat, it looked like an opener. That's awesome. I had a, a similar, so the very last meet that I went I went to, um, and there was one one guy and his buddy, they were there. It was, like, their, maybe their first or second meet, and they were literally sharing a wrap. Yeah. The, because, you know, they just can't, they just have one set of wraps. And these were the thinnest wraps I've ever seen. Um <laughs> I don't remember what they were, but uh, they might as well have been like a weightlifting wrap. And they even yeah. had like a little Velcro attachment at the other end that you could just kind of like attach it. So you didn't really have to like tuck it. And yeah, that's a Olympic weightlifter wrap for sure. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like, okay. And they were actually both pretty strong. They were younger guys, maybe 22. Um, and it was the same thing. Like I saw, I saw like homie like with his, with his first and then his second, he had a really loose wrap. And... I was like, I was like, hey, like on your third, just you know, put on what you want to put on in the bar. Like, let me wrap because he was strong and he squatted high bar. He was just like this, like kind of stocky Asian kid, and he and and I was like, I like just let you know, let me do this. Put on what you want to put on on the on your third, and like I'll wrap the shit out of you. And sure enough, I cranked those things. I must have got because they're really thin. You know, he probably was doing six or seven revolutions on it. By the time he was done, I got like ten out of each one. And same thing, he sprung up on that third like it was just like like he would just like it was a second attempt. And he came up to me and he was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Yeah, dude, get some real wraps and and start wrapping tighter." And I swear you'll you know you'll you'll be a monster. And he just was so elated, like he was so happy to get that. <laughs> 
And I felt really good. Where you can get out of. Yeah. So, you know, like, the people that say that you get nothing out of wraps, like, I don't understand. Like, because I, I probably get at least 100 pounds out of wraps. Oh, I, I know. I know. I definitely do. I actually squat better in wraps because it forces me to obviously, like, you know, pull, push into the wraps and pull down. Yeah. So, mechanically, I feel like it's just, it's just like biofeedback. Like, it's tan- that tactile feedback reminding me of, like, you know, sit back and then drive into the wraps and, you know, bounce out. And uh, honestly, I think I suck in sleep. Like, my sleeves are fine, but I definitely don't squat as good um, at all. So, <laughs> it, it's a thing. Yeah, sleeves will definitely bring out your weaknesses. They do with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and which is good. Which you know why I'm you know, I'm in off season right now, so I'm working it. But uh, I I can't wait. I can't wait to wrap them. Um, one one of my friends who I met actually also on my first powerlifting meet. It was her birthday last Saturday. So she wanted to go and lift, and so we went to we went and did it, and um, I got her a pair of knee wraps for her birthday because she's an, actually an elite elite total uh, tested lifter at like one thirty two, okay, which is you know really awesome. But she's like yeah. really wanting to push, you know, push those numbers, and she's having a hard time. I'm like, well, you need to switch to classic, like, you need to switch to wraps, and so that's so why I got her the wraps. Never used them before. I was like, all right, we'll wrap today. You know, it's your birthday. Like, trust me on this. And I worked her up. Her best in meat was twelve two fifty nine, and I worked her up to two seventy five for a solid single. Nice. So over double. I think she weighed in at like one thirty five or one thirty six that day. So it was well over two you know two times body weight. And she never hit that before. Full depth. I mean, she she smoked it, and she just looked at me like, "What is this black magic?" Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the world of wraps. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. So. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it, it's an awesome it's an awesome thing, um, and I, I always tell people like just try wraps at least once. Like have somebody who knows them like help you, but you, you should try them. Yeah, I agree. And um, so, what is you know uh, any any meets coming up for you? Uh, yeah, so I'm registered to compete at uh, Slingshot Record Breakers in November. Oh, nice! I'm actually hoping to go and watch that. Cause that's, oh, dude. Yeah, that'd be awesome. yeah, I'm, I mean, I live about, I'm in Southern California and record breakers is in, uh, Northern, right? Uh, it's in Dublin, California. Okay. So like, mid, yeah, yeah, it's in mid like San area. Yeah. So that's a base. That's about, yeah, it's about five hours for me, which isn't bad. Like I like going up there. Um, it's, it's not a bad drive by any means. So I'm hoping to go and watch that. Cause I am, yeah, I'm about five hours South. Um, Cause I'm about 50 miles north of LA. Okay. So, but it's it's just one freeway straight up to go yeah, there. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to go and uh, go and watch that because I wanted to you know wanted to go see it last year and I couldn't, but this year um, I'm planning on making that happen. So if you're gonna be there, that's gonna be even better. I want to I want to see that. Yeah, man. There's uh, actually I think there's a bunch of us that are coached by Chris that will be there. Um, yeah, because so usually Bridgeford would do would do that meet when he you know when he obviously can right now, but yeah. So yeah. that'll be fun. That'll be good to see the Bridgeford crew um, oh, yeah. doing doing their thing. I I think Chris as a coach has really um, in the past you know year and a half like he I mean he himself is a monster, but I feel like he's really been producing really great. You know, all, everyone who he's been working with has been. Doing, putting up great totals. Oh yeah, just crushing it. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's it's been fun to watch. Yeah, and he's and he's a, and he's and you know and, and I think there's something to be said because he was a wrestler too. Yeah. Um, and I came from martial arts also before I got into lifting. Okay. And I think that there's if you've ever done any type of martial arts, wrestling, boxing, or anything, your eye for technique is different than most other people. Mm-hmm. And you end up kind of like I, I treat powerlifting or I treat the lifts as if they're martial arts techniques, like it's just against a bar instead of a person. Yeah. And so it's I think they're that always transfers over. Um, do you have how about how about your clients? Do you guys have you have any like clients that you're you're you know in prep that you're waiting to see? Uh, no one's in prep right now. Um, everyone's just kind of off season. Uh, I recently got a couple of new new people um, that are crushing it. Actually, this one girl, uh, Megan. I'm excited to see what she does on her next meet. She competed for the first time back uh, May. It was like I think it was like a week or two after I got back from Kern. She had a meet, her first meet, and she didn't do do bad, but. It was like mainly for her first meet, just nerves and like and stuff were getting to her. Um, I started working with her after that, and dude, her deadlifts like every week. I try and make them hard for her, and every week she makes it look easy. Huh. It's stupid. She her deadlift is going to be fucking awesome. What is what, what she compete at? Uh, I think she's around like one thirty, one forty, somewhere around there. Okay, weight wise, but. Uh, I think her best deadlift is like was maybe like three fifteen or so, but she'll blow that out of the fucking water like by far next time she competes. Like I've been having her do like just a lot of pause deadlifts and just like stuff that she's not used to. Like literally, there's one day I was like, "You suck," because I tried to make this hard. One one week, I literally jumped her deadlift like thirty pounds what? just to be like, okay. I'm gonna make this. All pretty much undoable for you. And she sent me the video, and I was like, yeah. every rep looked better than the first. Yeah. She's she getting more dialed me. in. Oh, dude, I, I hate those kind of people. <laughs> yes. hey. it, it's awesome, though, because like, I threw a lot more volume better than she was used to, and especially with accessories. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with her that's helped is like a lot more volume work and accessory work that she wasn't doing before. Yeah, and she's already not like a natural, you know, natural skill at the deadlift. And then, you know, you give her more accessories to add on more muscle, and then you put her in proper position so she can actually express all that muscle. Yeah. Then, you know, then that's when it most most lifters like that just take off. And that's all they need. They just need like the right position to express the strength they already have and kind oh, yeah. of get out of their own way. Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. She's her body composition just from like doing all the work too has like changed a lot too. Like her quads have grown like insane, and she hates the squat programming I have for it, but she loves it at the same time. Like, yeah, I made her puke for the very first time. I think on the first workout I gave to her, and she's like, "I've never puked from lifting before, but I did today." It's like it's a good workout, but I'm sore. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that that uh, that will happen. That will happen. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to seeing that, especially like now that we've had this talk. I'm gonna like, you know, I'll, I'll go and I'll you know I'll I'll find I'll find her instance or something. And I'll I'll watch out for her. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I love seeing that. I love it just seeing when somebody just gets some direction. And yeah. it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, those guys with the wraps. It's like you put them in the right position. You, you help, like, one small factor that just allows them to fully express what they have in them. And it's it's just, it's like you created a monster, and it's awesome. Yeah, oh, for sure. I have another guy who, he's been just having some shit luck with, like, tweaking himself and having injuries. But his bench was going to be huge. He was going to be well, probably like a, a mid-five bencher. Uh, but his, uh, dude, he, like, he, had, he was going to do um, USPA, like, uh, nationals, like, coming up, but he slipped at work and, like, strained his, like, adductors and groin bad, so he, like, that took him out of squatting for a while. He's yeah. just now getting back into that. And, like, two weeks ago, it, it was with, like, a light bench day, just like a speed work day. All of a sudden, like, something happened in the shoulder. And, like, he's screwed up on that. So he's finally – he texted me yesterday. He's like, I can actually get under a squat bar on my shoulder. It's like I can – you know, everything's feeling better. Like, it doesn't hurt to even lift five pounds up anymore. So it's like maybe we can start pitching again. It's like, all right, all right, slow down a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if you ever need – though, so uh, I went to a massage school for a sports massage. So I know lots of, uh, like, transverse friction and, like, uh, like little – like things that you you know you can either do on someone or someone can do on them on themselves that really helped. Especially, I've been finding especially in powerlifting. So what I found, and it's really easy to teach too. Like it's a very simple, simple thing. Transverse friction is essentially if you can think about sanding wood against the grain, it's doing that to the muscle fibers. So like like so like your bicep will run you know from your shoulder down into your elbow. So it runs downwards. So if you want to to strip your your uh, your bicep, especially if it's pulling on your shoulder, you would kind of basically grab it and roll outwards against the fibers. And have any good points for like pecs and lats? Because that's what fucks me up. Yeah, yeah. So pecs obviously is at an angle, you know, kind of that downward teardrop, and you basically yeah. just go across okay. across that. Like you just find the fibers. And just go against the grain of whatever fiber it is for any muscle. That, that's the basic of the transverse friction. And what that does, going against the fibers, is it basically opens them up and it, and it strips them. So anything that's laying in between the fibers, like calcium buildup, lactic acid, um, any like type of you know, anything that's that's adhesing, that's going to that's going to strip, and it's going to essentially again just like that going against the grain. Uh, on wood, it's going to open it up and kind of irritate. But and and once that it's it's kind of irritating, it's going to pull what they call like a blood flush, all the blood to there to flush that out. Okay. And so it opens it up. Um, you know, like in that's what people try to do with foam rolling or any other type of like you know like a racquetball or anything, which you can do. Um, but usually they just you know just kind of like general like oh my pec hurts, so they just kind of put it on their pec and they like roll around on it, and it helps a little bit. But it's very specific of like finding where it's tender, and then going against the grain of the mu- the muscle, and you again it, yeah. it, which is pretty intuitive. You know like you see how your pec runs from all down like you just go across that bicep across that um, lat is kind of the same way um, where. 
you know, it runs straight down your back, you know, across your the side of your back. And so you can do, you can actually, you can do that one with the foam roller because it's easy to lay on it against it. And, uh, or you can have like, if you have somebody who can grab your lat with like, with their hand or even with their forearm while you're laying down and just kind of like seesaw with the forearm, just up and down the lat. Um, the hand is a little bit easier because you can kind of almost like knead it, especially the lat because it's so big and you kind of literally knead it like dough against the grain. And it's painful as fuck. It's really bad. Um, but it will, it just kind of forces all the blood in there and it just flushes any adhesion or any type of, uh, you know, anything in there out as well as it can help reset the muscle. If it's holding onto something, like if your lat is, you know, kind of short and not firing because it, you know, you, you know, you tweaked it or whatever, it's going to hold on to that position of dysfunction until you reset it. So you can think of like, re like resetting an old VCR, you know, whenever you have trauma, like let's say like it's a really easy example, trauma against, you know, any like your knee or something, even after it's better, you know, it's kind of, you still, it's still uh, defensive. And then you have to work through that and you have to kind of remind the body like, oh, hey, we're actually better now. You don't have to keep defending it. It's no longer injured. But your body doesn't know that unless you force it into it. And that's the same with like PT when people after they go through surgery, you have to, your body will work around the injury while it's injured and it will kind of store that in, in its like muscle memory. But even after it gets better, it doesn't know the difference. You actually have to push it through that red light that it has. So it can be like, Oh, we're fine. We're no longer injured, you know, reprogram reset. And then, you know, that's how you can have that, the, you know, get those muscles to get back into like a normal function. So, so between the going against the grain and then just kind of being able to breathe through when it really sucks and cause it, it will, you'll find the tender spots and it will just be a bitch. But if you can just kind of like accept it and just like exhale out of it, that exhale on top of the pressure and the flushing helps the body be like, Oh, Okay it's better we're you know we're no longer in dysfunction you know reset that program and yeah. uh and so that's yeah. something i've um, been dealing with a bit and starting to kind of like make my body back to relearning itself because actually going into the current i was hardly able to like bench well at all because i was having so much pain in like my elbows mm -hmm. um and it's all it literally all steamed from like my my Stem from my chest, yeah. uh, being tight, and my lats like right where it inserts. Yeah, it was so damn tight, and like I was going to physical therapy and stuff, but mainly that was mainly like for my hips and getting like dry needling because my hips get really tight too. Yeah, that works phenomenal for my hips, but like didn't not shit for my upper body. Yeah, and uh, literally it was because uh, I was having pain benching like like excruciating pain benching two twenty five. And a week out of the current, I had gotten a massage done, and it was like my last bench day, and I, I had to work up at like 3.30. It was flying, no nice. pain. Yeah. And I Chris is like, hey, can I, uh, can I just go heavier? And he's like, no, this is good. We're not, we're not, we're not fucking it up. Yeah. And literally, like, the day of the current, like, I had no pain whatsoever. And, like, I was like, this is stupid. If my bench just felt like this all the time, it'd be huge. Oh, yeah. 
And honestly, I think so. Like my my theory with that is to like go on top of your point. Why I think like massage is really important for powerlifters is it's like once you start powerlifting or really heavy lifting, you you have such like newbie gains um, because you know you're adding that on, and then every powerlifter will tell you like, oh, the longer you're in it, the gains come more slowly. Yeah. And I the reason I believe that is is. That the muscles, you know, especially as they get, you know, they grow, especially as they do in powerlifting, the contraction length gets shorter because, you know, you're just like building all this fatigue and all this muscle damage for heavy lifting that your muscle length probably gets maybe from a third to maybe even half of what it used to be when you started. And if that's the case, muscle length is directly related to force production. So if your lat shortens up or your quads shorten up, they may look huge, but their force production is going to be essentially muffled to what they can actually be doing. And so if you can reset that resting length through massage or through any type of transverse friction or trigger point to let it kind of relax and regain some length, you're going to be releasing all that potential force production that's been literally just locked up. And I think most powerlifters, especially high-end powerlifters, suffer from that. And I do think that the trend of like doing your mobility better, which Chris does, um, you know, is coming around, but I think, and you know, they do get massages and there is a bit more self care involved nowadays, but I think specifically the transverse friction, the going against the grain of the muscle, because it just flushes the bot, the, the muscle out so hard. Um, I think is, uh, kind of this little missing link. It's like, it's my own theory. Um, that can help powerlifters regain some of that muscle length so then they can have better force production. And then all of a sudden, like you said, if your bench was, you felt like that all the time, your bench would be flying and it can, you just got to keep your, those muscles, uh, from shortening on you. Yeah. That's like, was my downfall. Like, cause I, I was just thinking too, it's like after the current, I was sitting there going, all right, what was I doing in years past when my elbows weren't hurting? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was doing a lot more pull-ups and just like hanging sets in between like set to bench or just like every day. Yeah. I started doing that again because my, my elbow started to flare up again after the turn. started doing that again and like two weeks later, it was like the pain was gone just from doing that every day. I was like, okay, I might have something here. Maybe it's just, just me. And then I had to try it on like uh, one of my clients because he was having trouble just getting under a squat bar too. And he's like, within a week and a half, he's like, man, just from hanging on the bar every day, I can actually get my hands actually inside the J-hooks. I've never been able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and you're right, because you're in your hanging, you're decompressing, and you're stretching the muscles. So they're yeah. elongating. And, like, uh, I, I'll, I'll come to, I'll come to the current, and if I'm there, like, if you want me to tear you up, I'll, t- I'll tear you up. I'll tear anybody up. Like, it's I – don't, I don't do it for work anymore. Like, I went to school for it, and I like doing it. Yeah. But – um, like I didn't, I didn't really want to do it for work, but I still enjoy doing it. Like I'll, I'll tear up any, like, you know, any, any powerlifter anywhere they want. And I think it usually helps a lot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. and yeah, and like, just, you know, even just like, you know, even after we're done, like done here, I can record like some videos and, sh- and like little tricks for like bicep, you know, or lat or, you know, wh- whatever you want. Like I'll just, I can record, show you how to do it. So you have like a reference. Um, yeah yeah no problem i i I enjoy showing it to people because i do think it helps a lot and it's so easy to learn it's one of those like i went to massage school and i learned it but like you like once you know it you're like oh that's common that's easy and it can really help 
overall well-being. So, yeah, uh, I'll be more than happy to. I think everyone should learn it personally. So, um, you mentioned uh, when you started that you started with the 531 program. Um, when I did my first episode of this show, I actually named the 531 as one of the best, like, beginner, like, you don't have a coach yet, but you want to start lifting seriously programs. Um, so I was going to say, like, once, what, what, when did you graduate from that? Like, when you started? And what, what um, would be a, a good next step? My first year of powerlifting was 531. Like, pretty much completely 531. Um, and I was seeing fantastic results on it. I loved it. And I, I agree with you. It's probably one of the best things for a, a new lifter. Like, if you can't afford a coach and stuff, like, do 531. It's, it's super simple. You know, there's even 531 calculators out there, so you don't have to even calculate anything yourself. You literally plug your numbers in, and it does all the work for you. Oh, nice. Even, like, there's, I think, liftcalculator.com. You put in, like, your maxes. It literally puts in, does all the calculations for you, even does the numbers you should be doing on your warm-up sets, and, like, we'll tell you what plates to load on. It's super simple. That's like, cool. It's the simplest thing ever. Uh, but I did that from... Pretty much February 2017 until around, I don't know, November. And then I started working with this one guy that I met at a competition I did that October. Um, but his programming, it, it wasn't working for me. It was wearing me down. Um, like in some areas, it would kind of work, but it was a lot of what, like, not just volume, it was insane volume with everything super heavy all the time. Yeah, it, yeah it, it started crushing me. So I, I, th- I think I just, just to kind of you know be nice, I, I ran through the whole twelve weeks with him. And after that, I was like, "Look, dude, I, my body's feeling like shit. My lifts really aren't progressing right. I think we'll kind of go back to doing stuff on my own." So then I went right back to five three one, and um, kept doing that until after my meet in 2018 in April and after that I think it's uh, right before then I think is when Chris and Gina had released their ebooks that they came out with mm-hmm. um, and I purchased all three of those and started running those afterward just for something different and those were awesome too because they were kind of self-guided also yeah and uh, it was I liked and so I started doing that, and I started, like, just kind of tagging the bows in it. And then I got a message from Chris one day that was just like, hey, uh, you know, your list looks fucking awesome. You know, how would you like to have some one-on-one coaching? And I was like, of course, it'd be fucking awesome. So I think at the time, he was getting ready for – no, not the tribute. I think he's getting ready for uh, the current that year. He's like, after uh, – you know, I'm done with the current. We'll link up and we can start start pr- programming you. And we did, and, you know, worked up to my meet that September, the last September. The squats you're talking about, that's the, the first meet we did together. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so for, like, how you program with your clients, you know, so if someone were to, you know, run, you know again, a beginner ran 531, had some success with it, but then kind of wants to graduate from it, you know, when, 
do you think would be a good spot for them to graduate and like what would be a good next step that would for them after that since you're familiar with it because i've done a little bit of it but not like intensively so i think someone like with 531 you know there's a, a decent amount of like volume to it you know you're only doing like the main lift for you know just a couple sets uh, but, like, if you're into it for a good six months and, like, consistently doing it, um, and you're seeing good results, or, like, you're even a year, and you're seeing really good results, but you want to kind of try something different, I'd say you can kind of look into it. But, I, honestly, I think with something like 531, and just most people in general, if any program that they do, they don't give it enough time. Yeah. Uh, and six months, I think, is, like, kind of, in my opinion – six months would be a good benchmark to know if something's going right or not. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, you know, by like three months, you could definitely tell if something's not working. But with six months, that's a ton of time to be like, look, this is definitely going right for me or it's definitely not. And, you know, five through one's going to produce some great feedback for yourself to learn what starts to kind of work for you. But then after that, you know, getting into where you're doing a lot more working sets of main movements, add-in and secondary movements beyond accessories uh, is going to be helpful for a lot of lifters. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then the other two, uh, like, questions for beginners, because, like, this whole little little show of mine uh, is kind of geared towards, you know, that that person who's kind of on their own, you know, um, getting to kind of get them to the point actually where they want to coach. But that's kind of like my, my little secret plan was I want to make a resource. I wish I had that can like point people to like, Oh, learn like, you know, better programs or better technique and then have, you know, so they can really make progress and then interview pretty much all of my favorite lifters and, you know, then eventually when those people listening get to that point where they want to coach, they can also be like, oh, hey, all these people I listen to and learn from, you know, these, these are my favorites. I'll reach out to them. That, that's yeah. kind of, that's like my goal with like this whole little project that's of mine. Awesome. Yeah, I, I thought it would be kind of fun. So the the obviously I didn't want to ask you about squat, like in terms of like technique and mm-hmm. and all that, both selfishly and, you know, for the for a listen, you know, listener. And then after that, I would also, because you did bodybuilding for so long, I think one of the biggest obstacles, and I even still deal with it myself, um, because like I'm originally 145, and now uh, when I started lifting, and now I'm about, fluctuate between 183 and 185, and I want to get into the 190s. So body composition. So body composition while bulking, um, and kind of how to, you know, what to expect, in how to navigate that, like, you know, what are some things that most people don't know about that, um, you know, in terms of, like, when you put on a little bit more fat when you're bulking and, um, you know, kind of, you know, just any, any little tidbits that you could impart um, for those. So those are the two, that, the other two things I really want something you could hit. Yeah, yeah. Hold on one second here. My dog's going a little crazy. <laughs> no worries. She hears me and wants to be out with me. Hey, don't, don't run to the backyard. Come on. Come on, pups. I know. You've been inside all morning. I know. Go play. Oh. Uh, yeah, so with like, um, we'll start with the whole like body composition stuff. Like with that bodybuilding, when it comes to gaining weight and bulking, you just gotta get over the fact that you're gonna have body fat. Yeah. 
and you're not going to look, you know, maybe your best. Um, which for me, I never really cared because I knew that when I tried to get leaner, it was either be a decent amount of difference. Yeah. Um, but again, you don't want to be too sloppy with things. You want to kind of have a plan. Like when I was bodybuilding in my off seasons, I would literally follow a meal plan still. I would just be adding in more carbs and fats pretty much like a lot more carbs. Uh, and I pretty much still eat like 80, 85% like regimented meals. And then I'd throw in, you know, stuff just for fun. Um, so that's the best way to keep from adding un- unnecessary and unwanted body fat, uh, is to have them stick to a meal plan and guidelines as far as, you know, macronutrients and stuff. And then, like, you know, maybe a day or two of the week has some food that you just really want to have. Yeah. And, and during that, like, what's – so kind of like I'm – because I'm in a bit of that phase right now where yeah. you know, I've put on some muscle and, you know, and obviously I'm – you know, I try to eat in surplus. And, uh-huh. and so, of course, there's a little bit more body fat comes with that. Not too much, but, like, you know, like a little bit more. But then you see uh, – because I, I know I remember when I had uh, talked to Jordan, uh, Jordan Gerald, he kind of mentioned how, you know, you know, he when he was getting up to his weight, he kind of, you know, he, he plumped up. And then as he continued to, you know, get stronger and build the muscle, the recomposition kind of like, I guess, kind of settled itself. You know, so like, you know, and he was able to, you know, still have his, you know, his abs and still have, you know, all that good stuff. So when you're looking at at bulking and you know if you're in that surplus and you know you're not you know like you said not you're still relatively regimented um you know how long you know is it kind of different for different people in terms of body type and their type of training for the body to kind of i guess reacclimate to that weight yeah i i I believe so yeah that's my honest opinion certain people are going to react better to a calorie surplus and stuff than others I think a lot of it does kind of have to do to – there's a lot of aspects to it. I think a lot kind of depends on how, you know, insulin sensitivity, that can be a big thing because some people will just, you know, they're sedentary a lot during the day. So they usually have a lower insulin sensitivity, so kind of have to be careful with how much carbs you eat um, and pushing them slower. Some people can just eat endless amounts of fucking carbs uh, just because, you know, they're usually moving around more through the day and they can just push it, push it, push it and not have an issue. Uh, I also think another factor of it uh, is digestion. And that's probably the most overlooked factor is that people try to push too much food too fast and your body just can't handle it. Uh, like with, with me, I've noticed just with myself and my own observations, if I, if I try and just start to get too much of a calorie surplus with foods that don't digest well, everything starts feeling bad. Like my training starts going worse. I'm more tired all the time. Uh, my joints even don't feel as well. Um, so I try and pick foods that I find digest quick for myself and, and work well for me. And uh, a lot of that is just is trying stuff out. And sometimes you kind of have to try certain foods for like a week or two at a time, see how your body feels with them. Because if you're not digesting the food, it doesn't matter how many calories you're taking. You're just going to shit them out. Yeah. So digestion is the thing I think everyone overlooks. 
you need to be able to digest your food well. So getting up and moving it a little bit more, just even a few times throughout the day, just going for like a minute or two walk or something like that can help just get blood moving and help with digestion too. Starting off every morning with drinking like a liter of water first thing, that's going to help digestion more than anything. Just keeping your body hydrated because I also just from experience of cutting weight and everything too, if you're dehydrated, your body's not going to digest food well. The more hydrated you are, the better your body's going to digest food too. So starting out every morning with drinking like a good two full glasses of water is one of the best things you do. Um, do that like 20 minutes before you eat and you'll be surprised like how much hungrier you just feel throughout the day. Hey, that's actually, uh, that's, that's really good advice and that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. And the digestion, I, you know, like you said, it is overlooked because it is common. It's like, oh yeah, that's common sense. But until you, somebody like points it out, you know, you don't you don't know unless you know. Um, yeah. And it and also makes sense like me. Like I have like I'm lactose intolerant, so my digestion is is picky as fuck. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that make that makes sense. Of you know, if it's not processing, then it can't absorb properly. Um, and do anything. I think hydration is probably one of the biggest, you know, things with, I think any active person, like, you know, how many, you know, just, you know, any, any powerlifters, you always see, you know, them drinking, drinking bangs or anything, but you hardly ever see a big water bottle, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it's unfortunate, man. And I've, I've been bad about it before, you know, I get the periods where I don't drink as much and I notice it and then I start trying to, to change that it, it's a, like within a couple of days like or even like a day or two you feel a lot different if you just start drinking more water and and getting enough you know, fluid and stuff to yourself it's it's amazing what just the water intake will do yeah yeah i think yeah i'm i know i'm i can also be guilty of it i try to i mean i don't i'm i'm a pretty like bare bones person when it comes to drinking you know, but i love coffee I mean, I'm having coffee right now, so I will, <laughs> I'll, I'll drink coffee fast, and I'm pretty slow with my water. I've been trying to switch that, yeah, just to, or at least have it be a slightly bit more of an even keel. Um, all right, cool. I think, yeah, I think that's great info for people because I think, uh, like you said, um, just there's such things that are overlooked when it comes to to diet, and people always, I think, run to just like a fad diet and they do overlook the basics of just you know proper calorie you know for what your goal proper gal- calories for what your goal is uh quality food quality rest and quality hydration like yeah you know i mean, you know those are your main your main your main cornerstones so all right well then move move into the squat you know so what um you know if you're if you're just talking to somebody who's obviously like a new lifter like you know, give a, give them a squat breakdown and maybe kind of what has helped you in, you know, in your squat to really come up. Sure. Um, so I will say first off, I'm just going to go ahead and give credit to Dallas Norris here. Uh, cause he helped my squat tremendously. Uh, he, he kind of helped bring it up to another level. Um, he would every once in a while come out to, uh, the gym I used to train at when I lived in Charlotte and, uh, train there when he was doing heavier squats and went to a seminar he, he did there. And uh, just like some things he tweaked in my squat, just kind of just did 
took it up a notch. Um, I originally for probably the first year was a high bar squatter. Um, and it, just cause that's what I knew. I didn't really know with low bar and he kind of changed me to, to going, to going low bar, widen my feet a little bit. And, uh, the main thing with me was uh, a lot of, a couple different things with me that he, he showed me was, uh, for warmups, doing a, a couple things to get your upper back tight, like just band pull parts and a couple different things. Uh, what I think some people call like Y holds or something, you take a band and like from the top of the rack and pull it out with your, your arms in a Y. Mm, uh, yeah. Push it, yeah. Kind of pull it back and even just like but keeping that, that tension yeah. back, you're, you're stepping away from it. So it's want to pull you forward. So you're keeping those your you know shoulder blades stuff pinched together and then just from there just squatting it up and down with it yeah so it's of ingraining that in your, your brain to kind of keep your back tight when you're squatting which also helps with um bracing and stuff too and just getting right so that's the first thing having upper back tightness because i wasn't doing that very well and then just bracing in general because with bodybuilding i was so used to breathing into my chest yeah uh, especially like on stage, you have to look like you're not breathing pretty much. You're just standing there while everything's flexed yeah. and looks like you're not struggling. So you, you're breathing into your chest and powerlifting, you don't want to do that. You want to breathe out your stomach and, you know, everywhere else. So it's nice, tight core, which I was struggling with a bit too. And he showed me a few pointers on that. So the first thing I'll show most people is a couple things to keep their upper back tight, but bracing is the first thing, teaching them how to brace properly. Uh, you know, just pretty much like take your hands and like squeeze them into your, your waist and fill your stomach up there. And if you don't feel your, both your hands move outward, you're not bracing. Right. So you need to have it to where your hands pretty much come out. Um, when they're pushing to your side, if they come out and everything's tight, then you're bracing. Right. Because uh, bracing is probably the one thing that leads to most people failing their squats, like especially in the bottom or something. You see somebody like dipping over or something. It's usually because they're not they're not bracing tight, or if they're kind of coming forward at the top. A lot of that starts with bracing, um, in the, and also uh, foot placement, like how you're using your feet. Yeah. Um, you know, you always hear people saying that you spread the floor. I agree with spreading the floor to some degree, but I think torquing it into the floor is a better analogy. Um, so think of your feet like screws into the ground instead of just trying to spread apart because that way you're actually torquing um, and not just spreading apart. Because if, if you just spread your feet apart, you can notice some like, engagement just in your outer quad a little bit. But if you just... You're, just standing there and you take your feet and you try and turn them outward as hard as you can uh, into the ground, you'll feel your hamstrings engage or glutes engage just from doing that. And you're not even moving any weight at that point. You know, you're, all you're doing is twisting your feet outward into the ground and you can feel everything get tight. That's probably the second thing. And the huge thing with you, because if, if everything's tight already, then you're going to have a lot more control, stability, and power with your squat. Um, and another thing I took actually from Donnie Thompson is I never squat with socks on. Um, oh, okay. I will squat in my shoes, like my chucks, without socks. 
because you get a better grip into your shoe and better like connection and kind of contact than you do with a sock that's going to slide on you, especially if you're sweating. And like he'll, he shows, like he, he posts videos of this all the time. He'll constantly repost it to where he takes like a, a super glue spray pretty much and sprays it inside his shoes before he squats. And he says, you know, he'll, he'll do that so his feet stick. And only only use those shoes for squatting only. Uh, and that actually, I think, is a good point to do. Some people think it's weird, but squatting without socks, I think, has actually been pretty huge, too. Uh, because it helps you also engage that kind of torquing a little bit more and feel the ground better. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense. And honestly, Johnny Thompson is kind of a genius. So, I mean, yeah. uh, usually anything he says is rarely... <laughs> you know, rarely a bad idea. So, if ever, I've not, I've never heard him anything from Donnie that I uh, was like, nah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So with the twerking, so like I, you know, I've had trouble working on that because I'm. So like for me, just use myself as an example. Um. How do you find probably you know the proper for you or if you're helping somebody. That prop, that proper foot turnout um, to to feel that torque. So like when I if I were to if I point my toes out more like when I'm squatting, I feel like I can't torque as well. If my feet are more forward, you know I feel I can really screw into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know of course you're always taught or you're you know like oh you know have your your toes out a little bit so it opens up your hips. Um, but then if I go, if I do that, like, I feel like I can't really torque as if, as if almost like the, the, the torque tension is kind of lost if I'm already turned out. That uh, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and with me, and actually I just kind of moving my feet around while you're saying that and kind of feeling it myself, but I actually, I, my feet don't go super outward when I squat. If you watch my videos, my feet look, are fairly straightforward. Um, they're maybe moved out. Like, so if you, if I'm from straightforward, if you if I move my feet out like maybe an inch both ways, like just my toes, that's about how pointy my toes are. So it's 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 not they don't point out very much. That to me is like I get the most torque in my legs doing that. If I if I go any more than that, it, it's like you say I kind of lose it. Like I'll feel it in some areas, but I'll lose it in others. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I kind of like I like actually played with it with my hand. Like if you're like in like you have your your hand down to your hand like your foot on something. It's like when it's your fingers are forward, you can kind of twist in into it. But if yeah. you but if you like move your hands already out and then you try to twist, it really you don't really get any torque because it's like the it's like the the the, the spring's already been unraveled, so to speak. Yeah. So. Okay, and so and when in finding that, like if you were to if again to somebody who's who's you know learning the squat, um, what would be the steps that they should you know take to find that? Should they you know should they kind of you know you know narrow stance, toe turn out more, wider stance, toe turn out less, uh, less, vice versa? It's probably I think it just kind of depends on the person and biomechanically how they're. You know how they're built and stuff, and looking at just kind of watching their squat. Some people are going to be better squatters with a little bit narrower stance. Some people are going to be better with a wider stance. It's, it's I think that kind of factors into how your body's 
just built. Yeah. You know, you'll have, you know, longer femurs than others and, you know, shorter torsos and like everything else. So it, it depends on the person, how they squat. You just, it's just something you kind of got to watch and, um, have, you know, have someone try out in front of you to kind of watch them and, and see, help them try and figure out what's best. Yeah. Uh, cause it depends person to person. Um, uh, squatting barefoot for a little bit, I think, can help too. Um, and that can kind of help you figure things out. Because, uh, you know, too many people squat and, like, especially, like, if you're, you're not quite, if you're just starting out in powerlifting and stuff or, or just someone at commercial gym just lifting to lift and, and be healthier, too many people are squatting in shoes they shouldn't be squatting in. Yeah. They're squatting in shoes with a cushy sole, like a, a, it's marketed as a training shoe or whatever, and it's great for running and jumping and shit, but it's terrible for squats because it compresses immediately. You'll see people's ankles roll when they're squatting, and and you see that movement and stuff in their ankle. You want nice, solid stability. So, like, an Olympic lifting shoe can be good for some people. That's mainly, honestly, mainly better for narrow stance squatters than it is for wider stand squatters just because of the, the elevation of that heel and stuff. Uh, but like chucks, bands, or, you know, even barefoot, something where there's or wrestling shoes where there's a flat, flat hard sole that's not going to compress on you. Um, um, people, people need to make sure they're doing that. Yeah. That's a big mistake. I think a lot of people make. Yeah. I've, uh, whenever I've trained somebody, and they come in a squat. I always tell them, I'm like, you got some Vans or Chucks or Adidas, like those uh, the indoor soccer shoes, like those Adidas yeah, Sambas. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so even the sound, like a little, if you ever like have a, get a pair of those Adidas Sambas and you take out the sole mm-hmm. on the inside, yeah. it's super flat and it's really grippy on the bottom. Um, and so, yeah, I would just, uh, I've done that. I took out the sole of the Sambas. And, uh, and they were, they were, they were solid. Those things were tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then what about when you pull yourself down? Like, what do you think of when you're pulling yourself into the hole? And then what is your cue? And I asked this, I asked this of Jordan too. Um, cause it's, and again, my using myself as an example, it's something that I struggle with is driving my shoulders back. I really have trouble driving my upper back into the bar. Gotcha. With that, um, it's on Dallas, you know, Q Dallas says is, is pack your neck. So think of like, if you're sitting here, just try and just, just, just push your, your neck back. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's just, you know, just kind of like you're shrugging your head backwards and just do that the whole time. Pretty much you pack your neck into it and that's going to help keep tightness in your upper back and stuff too. So you know, pack your neck back, make sure you're pulling your, just squeezing your shoulder blades kind of back down. Um, another thing is just not just squeeze on the back, but like if you think of doing a lat pull down, yeah. like also, and doing that motion while you squat is going to keep you tight and kind of avoid that of rolling your shoulders forward as much too because if you're thinking of doing like a lat pull down the whole time your whole back's tight your lats are tight and when you come about the hole it shouldn't be as much of a problem and uh, you know actually it's was, it was insane um, and I've, I've been, because I've been doing it more 
this year is working on back tightness on my squat. My back is more sore when I squat than my legs are at all. Like, any part of my, <laughs> my, my, uh, no shit. I will be like really sore on my back from my squats because I'm working on like trying to focus on keeping as tight as possible. Um, and I found that the heavier I've gotten with squats, the more that's necessary for me. Yeah, and it makes sense because I mean, and, and obviously to call back to your bracing, uh, the bracing point. And I'm this, and I'm a huge proponent of bracing because bracing was that one aha moment for me as a lifter where things actually started working once I learned to brace. But you have that power transfer, you know, from your leg, and then the middle of your body is just a meat sack, like it's just organs and blood, and you know you have to that has to transfer force. Um, and, you know, especially like your second attempt from the, um, the, which me was it again? I'm sorry for where the third, where you passed out. I had Wilmington, yeah, the RPS. Our, that's it. That's it. Your second attempt actually, um, I think is one of the best examples of that. So if anybody, if you go back and you look for the Wilmington meet, which is in a red mono at an RPS meet, um, yeah. the, se- the second attempt I swear, like you can see yourself pull down into the ra- into the hole, and then as you come up, it almost like you can almost kind of see the force transfer from your legs into your hips, into your uh, your chest and your shoulders, into the bar. Like it actually looks like you you can like kind of see that happen, and um, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, that pushback and like I've been trying to find like that proper cue for myself. Um, to feel it. Cause every time I try to do it, like, um, like if you were to look at like my squat and I showed it to Jordan too, and he thought it was funny. Like I'm, I'm very flexible. So like my, sh- my elbows can get all the way under and yeah. So, so if you, if you ever go, go and look at, at some of them, my elbows can go all the way under. Um, I can pull my shoulder blades all the way back. Like I can, I can get position wise very good, but I have a, have a long neck and I have a long, you know, long femurs in comparison to my torso. So when I want to drive out of the hole, um, I feel like either I don't do it right. If I'm holding that position and my neck flares back too much and almost like it goes back. So then I lose that tightness or I have to push my elbows back. Like they have to wing out for me to like, to get some of that activation and drive back of which then they flare backwards. And then I have to then, re-push them forward to get that um to get to get that i did that and i had a meet about six weeks ago seven weeks ago it was may 17th so yeah almost almost a month ago um and no more than that so almost two months ago um and my last my last my third attempt uh you know i drove back as hard as i could and when you watch it like my elbows lose position they flare back and luckily the spotter behind me was like, you know, said elbows and I'm like, you know, grinding out my life and I just, and I shoot my elbows back into position where I had them to, to kind of get some leverage. But so I always feel like something gives like either I lose my neck pack or I lose my, you know, my lat and my elbow position in that font, trying to get that drive back for some reason. Do you do any, uh, do you do a lot of like safety bar squats at all? Yes. Currently in my programming, my I have two squat days, and my first squat day is a beltless 
uh, SSB day. I just had that actually, uh, not yesterday, but the day before. I know something's worked well for me, and it sucks like motherfucker. I'm actually going to post a video today from Tuesday, uh, maybe Wednesday's workout. And Chris is having me do a lot of this. Like, he has me do a lot of paw squat work in the offseason, like a lot. Yeah. And, um, but also, um, uh, pin squats starting off at the bottom. Oh, I saw you doing those. I saw you doing those. Yeah. I posted like a warm up in my story. Um, but I had to work up to a five rep max on the safety squat bar with pin squats. Yeah. Yeah. I think I worked up to like 435 or 425, something like that the other day. But those are so difficult. I think just from doing those, I think that helps a lot with start with your position in the bottom and making sure you're coming up how you're supposed to because you really have to focus on driving right or you won't come up with it. Yeah. And I also think it helps a lot with your uh, activation of boots. And I texted Chris like this is one of the best movements I think I could, we could do for my like glute activation stuff because I it's like I feel it completely and I don't usually feel my glutes as well with my squat. So I think this is going to be a huge carryover for me um, leading into my next meet. Actually. Nice. Um, if you have to activate your glutes and everything so much harder from being in a dead stop like that. Yeah, that makes sense because it's the bigger muscle. So if you're in a dead stop to create some inertia, yeah, it's going to have to be your, your glutes still in your back to kind of yeah. get it going. So nice. I'm going to have to try those. I mean, I've done the pin squats before, but, uh, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, I def I definitely want to try. It's the same thing. I if I can get more of my of my ass involved, my white boy ass. I think yeah, that's definitely for me. That would help a lot. Um, oh, and then what about the descent? So that like loading as you go down. What do you think of when you pull into the hole? Uh, the whole thing I'm thinking the entire time is just trying to keep everything really just keep everything controlled and steady and tight uh the whole time i'm thinking of torquing my feet into the, you know, into the ground uh pushing my knees out and just keeping tight and upright that's the only thing i'm thinking about and then when i like with me the only cue that i have when it's time to come up is like usually my belt will start pressing into me at a certain point yeah. My stomach, or like I'll start to feel like I'm really going to pass out, and that's usually when I'll come up <laughs> with my heavy squats. Uh, that's usually when I, I pretty much know it's time to, to pop out of the hole. Um, and I've kind of had to do some adjusting on that because, you know, the first few weeks I had people like, you need to stop squatting so low. Yeah. Because uh, the very first meet I did, I was like completely bottoming out. I was three inches below parallel. And people were like, you don't need to squat that low, but that's just kind of what I knew from bodybuilding. And that's taking a little bit of work to kind of stop that. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's gotten a lot better for me now. But yeah, I think, um, you know, that's something that could, could help some carryover too. Yeah. Yeah. I think finding that marker is, is important. Like, uh, remind, again, if you ever like, you know, whenever we're off, you want to, <laughs> you want to go and have a laugh at a very awkward squat. You can look at mine, but because of my, my flexibility. So by the time my elbows hit my thighs, I know it's my, it's depth. 
Like it literally is just like I, as soon as my elbows point like like uh, stab my thighs, then I can. That's my my bounce back time. Gotcha. So it's 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 really funny because it looks like uh, when I when I hit when I hit death, it just looks like my elbows are stacked on top of my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks it looks funny, um, but yeah, perfect. Well. Um, yeah, those are essentially all the questions that I've, you know, that I had, and you answered them great. I really appreciate it. Um, is there any, I guess, I guess, you know, again, talking to a, you know, a, either a novice or like a, you know, in slightly beginner, intermediate lifter, that you would kind of like leave them with, you know, either something you wish you knew or something that you would like to see more newer uh, beginner lifters start doing, uh, you know, as they, you know as they, you know, keep going? Uh, first of all, try and keep it to the point of having fun. Don't go into a meet searching for numbers. Um, I've done this like once or twice, but that's because I'm, I know I'm already at a higher caliber. There's too many guys that are just, you know, local level lifters that aren't, you know, crazy strong that will like, look at a number like, oh, well, this is a record. I think I can beat it. And, uh, We'll just try and go for that when they, they don't need to. Um, so they'll make their attempts completely wrong or they'll open way too heavy. Uh, so if you're a beginning powerlifter and you like, you know, you've done a, a meet, you haven't done well in it, or if you're someone who is new to a meet and has not done one yet, make sure you're picking your opening attempts with something that you could easily triple. And I'm, th- I'm not talking about, like, a grinder on the third. Like, I'm talking about you could probably have two more reps left in the tank. Um, that is a good rule of thumb for everyone. Your opener should be something you should just be able to smoke when you're just, like, sick as shit. Uh, that's something I see pretty much at every local meet I go to. There's always people opening way too high than what they should be. Uh so your opener is not something to hit a PR with. It's all about building a total. So your opener should be something you smoke to build your confidence going into your next lift. Uh, on meet day, you can never have enough fluid with you. Uh, fluid is going to be your best friend. You're not going to want to eat much, or at least I don't. So on meet days for people who are new to this, bring as much Gatorade, Pedialyte, water as you can. Um Simple carbs, sugars uh, are great if you have time to get like an actual meal in between that you know will digest well with you. Bring something like that, but bring enough fluid. I always bring tons of liquid with me. I like coconut water and stuff because of the minerals and just uh, the hydration of coconut water. Um, it's got you know carbs and sugars to that. Uh, I always bring extra shirts. Um, I'm not a fan of being on the platform with the same shirt as warming up with because you never know how the warm-up area is going to be or the venue is going to be, whether it's AC or not half the time. Uh, so there's no AC where you're competing at and you're warming up in a shirt that's like soaked in sweat. Put on a dry shirt, something as simple as that. Put on a dry shirt before you hit the platform itself. That way the bar is not going to be as likely to slide on you. Um, same with bench, you know, put a, a fresh shirt on before you bench, uh, on the platform. Um, th- that's probably the biggest things for new people that I can think of. 
No, those are awesome, man. And I think that's, you know, those little nuances are, make all the difference, you know, and yeah. it's, it's very much, it's like a, the, you know, elite FTS, you know, their live, uh, you know, what is it? The, um, to live, learn and pass on. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's those, you know, if you're go, if you go to a powerlifting meet and you see an experienced lifter, um, it's the same kind of thing that they'll tell you in person. And, uh, you know, that's what I was hoping to kind of best, you know, provide with this yeah. is just, it's a resource where people can hear those nuances and those bits of wisdom that they can apply now, uh, sooner than, you know, <laughs> than a meet. So yeah. another thing, uh, just thinking of, if you're if you're wanting to compete in wraps, don't wait until like a week or two before the meet or even the day of the meet to try wraps. If you're new to wraps, knee wraps, start wrapping at the very minimum eight weeks out. Like really, if you're new, probably twelve, because you're gonna want to have to break the wraps in, uh, and you're gonna want to have to learn the wraps. Like you can't just throw wraps on and expect to squat heavier, because a lot of people don't learn how to push it in the wraps right away. You know, even with me, it takes a couple weeks back in wraps to, to relearn how to use wraps correctly to get the most out of them. Um, so if you're going to use wraps and you're new to wraps, make sure you give yourself plenty of time to learn how to use wraps properly uh, to get the most effectiveness out of it. Um, and if you hire a coach, for God's sake, just follow what the coach says. Don't try and add more in. Don't try and take anything out. If they give you a percentage to work off of, don't base that percentage off something you think you can hit or something you want to hit. Base that percentage off the best lift you've actually completed. Uh, I, I actually have <laughs> – I know some people who have worked with a – Trevor Jaffe, and he like gave him a percentage to work off of, thinking that they would be accountable. But they're they're some people that just kind of go off and do whatever they want anyway. Yeah. And they were using the percentage that Trevor gave them to work off of with numbers that they've never even hit before, and they just think that they can hit. And uh, so, so don't do that. You'll end up getting hurt. Yeah. If, if if a coach gives you a percentage to work off of and not a certain number. Base that percentage off something you've actually hit once or twice. Yeah, not what not what you think because yeah. that's how yeah like you said that's how people get hurt and, and and there's no point and I think the there's always such a rush. I mean we all have been guilty of it. You want to get stronger or you know you want to feel you know even just good about yourself. So it's like you want to you know want that challenge, but it's a long game. It is. You know, and I um I got to interview uh, Stacy Burr yesterday morning, and nice. yeah, Stacy's awesome. Yeah, she's fantastic, and we had a you know great a great chat, and she had made a really good point about you know, and, and she and her and Jaffe always say you know the nothing special reps, but she said you know you know you have to enjoy doing the reps that aren't you know even that hard. If you if you have like a lighter day, you have a deload week, or you just have you know a sixty percent. In day, she's like, you got you respect those reps and treat yeah. those reps. If they're you know if they're you know four sets of five at like seventy percent, treat those four sets of five like you know those are your third attempt of five, you know, mm-hmm. and like and do them like do them with intention, and yeah. you know they'll pay off. And you know it's you can't always you know you you have to just, you have to plan for that. 
Exactly. Especially like during a meet prep, if you're prepping for a meet, don't go outside your program. It, once or twice, like in your, if you're in off season and just, there's an occasion on the day where you feel good, you know, it's okay to go for it. But if you're in meat prep, stick exactly to what it says. Don't do extra. There's a reason your coach has it programmed that way. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when somebody, when you finally get to the point where you want to hire a coach, uh, you know, and which is why, you know, we mentioned, you know, those free programs like 531 and stuff where you can build a base. Um, yeah. Once you, you know, do that, you know, really listen and find a coach you like and you respect. And yeah, like trust them. Like don't, like you don't go to a tattoo parlor and ask for a tattoo and then tell that artist how to be a goddamn artist. Like he's the artist. Yeah. Shut the fuck up and let him give you something pretty. Like don't, don't let them, you know, don't, don't try to tell them what to do. And, um, and, and I think at most lifters that I've talked to so far, one of the biggest things that they all say is, is, is the consistency, both in terms of training, like staying frequent and consistent with your training and program, but also consistent in, you know, listening. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and honest feedback too. Like if you, that, that's something I've, I've been bad about sometimes with Chris is like saying something easier than I was. Uh, but just honest feedback, you know, if something feels difficult, just let your coach know. You know, it could be that you just had a longer work day or, you know, you've been out in the sun all day. You're not hydrated enough. It's just simple stuff just to keep in, you know, in mind. You know, or if, you know, you're, you're someone who does a manual or job and you've had like a really rough day like or a really rough week at work, let your coach know that. Um, they can adjust your programming to kind of compensate, and they can know to look for. Okay, your numbers are off a little bit. You know, you're, you're, you didn't quite hit what you're supposed to. They can, they can know why that way. Um, so things like that are good things to keep in mind. Yeah, I think people forget that. Like that shit takes a toll on you. If you, you know, yeah. and and it, and it's not a reflection of your strength because you know fatigue no. hides strength, but. but you can, you know, if you are under, and that's for me a lot, if I'm underfed, underhydrated, like I will go in and I will, I'll have, I'll have a shitty, a shitty lift and with an easier weight. And you yeah, know. Uh, Trevor Jaffe actually made a post three days ago or so about hydration, um, you know, with him living in like Florida and how hot it is and crazy there. Um, of what he does every morning and like day before to make sure he's hydrated the next day, like from like waking up and drinking them out and then they uh, you know, thermo tabs, which is you know, pretty much sodium and some electrolytes to make sure by the time works it out, which I think is around noon, he's fully hydrated because I think you threw through that like if you're not hydrated, it can affect your performance by like 20%. That's a that's a yeah. that's huge. Uh, so that's that's something that can be easily care of um, if you just make sure you do. So, you know, if you're out in the you're not drinking enough and you're someone who lifts later in the day like after work, make sure you're fucking hydrated. Uh, just doing that alone can change your lifting. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's like, you know, we said like doing the simple things, the nothing special things, staying a little more hydrated or, you know, knowing you know, don't don't think that after a hard day's work that you should lift, you should be able to lift like you do at your best. It's yeah. not, it's not even practical. It's not, no. a, it's not a thing. Um, great. Well, hey man, that's you know, it's been it's a great info I think for everybody, and I really hope you know everyone learns and gets something from it. 
I'm glad we've been able to talk. Um, yeah, I mean, but anything else you want to plug for yourself or anything, yeah. by all means? Yeah, um, I, first and foremost, like to thank or, you know, give a shout out to North Fitness. Um, great clothing company run by a great dude, uh, uh, Andy Lewis. Um, he also owns the North Compound out in Concord, North Carolina, uh, which is the Charlotte area. So if you're ever in Charlotte, want a really gym to train at, um, contact North, uh, the North Compound in Concord and go lift there. I was training there for a little over a year. Best training I've ever had there. Uh, but North Fitness, all their clothing's fucking awesome, comfortable. They have really good wrist wraps, um, singlets, you know, uh, straps, uh, and they put out a good bit of content too. Um, so North Fitness, five uh, percent nutrition sponsored by them. You can use code Ranson fifteen. That's R A N S O N fifteen for save some money on orders there. I'm not a big protein powder guy, uh, but I'll use a lot of um, like carb supplements and stuff for meal replacements. Sometimes I'll do their they're uh, real carbs and mix it in, mix in uh, just liquid egg whites if I'm in a rush for, for food uh, and get to get nutrients in. So that's a good good one to do there. Um, other than that, uh, there's not really anyone I want to plug. I mean, if you want to, anyone ever wants to contact me for coaching, you can reach me on my Instagram, just Ransom Lee, R-E-N-S-O-N-L-E-E. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, and and I think everyone should follow. Like I said, I I learn a lot by uh, by following you, and you always uh, you always put out a bunch of, of great stuff, and you know you're a solid dude. And so it's been nice to actually uh, you know get to talk to you. That's why I like doing this show because now I have an excuse to you know basically hit up all my favorite lifters and ask them to talk you know lifting with me. <laughs> so uh, it's been really cool. Um, but yeah, man, thanks again. And you know, hopefully we can even have a round two sometime. And, um, if I can ever return the favor or if anything going on, you know, like, a, you know, when you come up for your meet, I'll, I'll tear you up. You just give me a holler. Sounds good, man. Yeah. I'll keep you updated. I think it's, uh, I think November 9th is the date, uh, for record breakers. That nice. that first, I believe it's that first Saturday in November. Nice. Um, so we'll probably fly out there like midweek that week and, uh, have some fun so yeah and if you ever find you know if you find yourself in cali beforehand you know let me know and yeah. uh you know i'll uh i'll be i'll be a tour guide i know all the good spots around here and uh so where you live in north carolina where in north carolina do you live i'm in Asheville, north carolina now no uh, shit okay yeah, awesome yeah i moved up here back in september um uh, my wife uh uh, lived up here so like we, we actually met like last june uh then like i, I drive up, up from charlotte like every weekend to see her and stuff and then by september's like screw it i'm just gonna move up there uh ended up proposing to her in december we got married in february and that's awesome man well, I can, great, man. well congrats um I, I i do follow your wife also she's strong uh she is she's she is strong the beast uh, she did her very first powerlifting meet in January. Um, was incredibly proud of her because on her second attempt squat, we didn't know it at the time, but she fractured her fibula Jeez. on that squat. Um, she claims it was because of my knee wraps uh, job. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to say that I broke her knee, 
but no, she she fractured her fibula on, on her second attempt squat. I mean, she came up with it just and told us that she felt a pop. So I was thinking of, at that moment, I was like, oh shit, she tore something. Yeah. Um, but she continued to finish through the beat, won her class uh, for her very first powerlifting meet, which is incredible. You know, we had to lower her deadlift quite a bit that day because she was in so much pain. But yeah. she still she ended up pulling 315 still on a broken fibula. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's... Which, is, which is nuts. Yeah, it's completely uh, nuts. Well, I mean, credit yeah. to uh, to now to you guys as like a family because you know you squat even when you're passed out, you know, and she uh, and she she squats and pulls on broken bones. So you guys are on another level <laughs> uh, of nuts. But dude, um, one of my best friends uh, lives in Asheville, oh, nice. and uh, so that's why I, I was happy to hear that because I was thinking I was like, well, I I haven't gone to visit her yet, but I want yeah. to. So I was like, well, I wonder how close you are to Asheville. But you're there. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're ever out here, hit me up. You know. Oh, uh, I, I'm mainly training in my garage. So if you're ever out here, hit me up. We can train together. You know, do some food. Uh, I I would absolutely love that because I, I actually I've, I've told that to my friend. I was like, hey, I do want to come visit you, but you got I got to find a I got to find a place to train because I I'm not I'm not I don't I don't go any I, I don't go anywhere and not train somewhere. Uh, it's yeah. like one of my favorite things. I like to find other places. So knowing you're there, it's, I, you know, I'll have to cheat on her a little bit and be like, sorry, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go do this. Yeah, man, my, my garage is always welcome to you, so I, I, I will definitely take you up on that. And the same, the same here. You're welcome here anytime. The gym I go to here is a really cool old school powerlifting gym. Uh, the owner is, you know, he's an old school powerlifter from like the seventies and eighties. And, uh, it's just, it's a really good spot with uh, really a lot of nice people. So I think you'd also really enjoy it. And it's by the beach. So it's not, it's not bad either. Yeah. At all. (laughs) So, all right, man, well, I'll let you go again. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you and looking forward to, you know, talking some more. Sounds good, man. Yeah, it's been awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Well, be, like I said, anyone to reach out to Ranson, if you ever need some coaching, he's awesome. And, uh, yeah, looking forward, looking forward to next time. Thanks again, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. What an awesome chat with the man Ranson Lee at Asheville, North Carolina. So like Ranson said, if you don't follow him on Instagram, please go do that. He's great. Uh, if you need him for coaching, he's awesome. And, you know, just so he met, brought up a lot of really good points, uh, from body composition to your first meet, you know, to wraps, to the squat, you know, to all that stuff. So if you've made it this far, I hope you got a lot of really good uh, nuggets of wisdom out of him. You can just apply right away. So thanks again. I'm Nicholas. Shouts out to Viking Performance Chalk, Calvert Illustrations. Uh, Ranson, thank you again for being on the show. And thank you guys for tuning in. And I'll catch you next time on the Nerds Who Live podcast. Thank you.